Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith, how the two come together and lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. On 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. As I've said to start every show here the last 16 months, I'm flying solo today. And uh, I'm hoping that Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside Baptist Church, my co-host, can get back in studio really soon and looking forward to having him back. Listen, the, the toughest part of, of, of faith in the zone is finding guests sometimes. And the Lord's just been really, really good. And there's been a number of people in, in my life, guys like Tom Roy started UPI and he takes former Major League Baseball players all over the world on missions trips. And, and he's been so good at helping me set up and, and find guests. And there's been some other people as well. The Rock Church in San Diego, they've been great. And my brother Tim, in Tarpon Springs, Florida, every once in a while comes through. And, and last week, we had on a guy that was uh, former f- uh, football coach at Maranatha Baptist Bible College, where my two kids went to school. He's now coaching uh, high school football down in Tampa, and he was an umpire at one of my brother's like 55 and under games. And my brother's a catcher, talking to the umpire, where'd you go to college, that kind of stuff. The guy said, well, I, it's up in Wisconsin, you wouldn't know about it. He said, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. Where'd you go? Maranatha Baptist Bible College. He said, man, my nephew and niece went there. So it turns out Nate Spate, my brother Tim, calls me. He says, you got to call him. And a couple months ago, I got a call from my brother and said, hey, I got somebody else maybe for Faith in the Zone. I said, tell me about it. He said, I was on a flight to Arizona to play in some big tournament. And, And look, he's 60, I don't know what he is, 66, 67, and he still can catch like crazy. And so he gets called because guys that age, they can't find guys that can catch much. And he can catch, yeah, he'll catch 14 innings in a day without a problem. And so he's flying to Arizona and he sits next to a guy and they start talking. The guy said, where, where are you, why are you going to Arizona? He said, I'm playing in this baseball tournament. And the guy said, oh, you're, what position do you play? He said, I'm a catcher. He said, I play a little catcher too. And they start talking, and my brother said, look, we went like an hour. And I said, well, did what'd you play in high school? Or He said, yeah, I played, played high school. I played a little above high school. Did you play in college? Yeah, I played a little college. And he goes, Michael, this guy's wife was kind of looking and smirking. And I realized, I said, hold on a second. How high, where, where'd you end up playing? He said, well, I played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I played for, so he goes, look, and he talked about his faith a lot. And you might want to reach out to him. And I did. And, and it turns out, that the radio station in Pittsburgh that he works for um, as an analyst for the Pittsburgh Pirates is an Odyssey station. So I had the program director here reach out to the program director there, and one thing led to another, and Michael McHenry. uh, They call him the Fort, man. That is his nickname, and one of my favorite nicknames of all time is our special guest. Michael, how are you today? I'm great. What a great story. Thank you for sharing that. 
he was a wonderful man to talk to. We had a good time talking about baseball, a little bit of Jesus, and um, never a bad thing. I mean, those are probably my two favorite subjects besides my wife. So They're, really, really neat. Well, he, uh, I'll tell you what, he was so, he couldn't wait. He got a picture with you and a buddy of his at the airport, and he said, Michael, do you know this guy? So I know the name. He said, man, you got to try to reach him because I think he would be perfect for that faith-based show that that you do. And, and uh, you know, with being, the, being the guy that is on the radio and TV uh, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, the Pirates aren't having a great year. I'm a huge Pirates fan. And when other than the Brewers, I, I love the Pirates, and I've spent I, I've been to Pittsburgh a few times, Michael, and and I fell in love with the city of Pittsburgh. I, I just did. I think it's a lot like Milwaukee, to be honest with you, a much prettier than Milwaukee. But I think the people are really hardworking people that love their their Pirates and they love their Steelers and their Penguins, and and Pittsburgh. I think it just reminds me of a Midwest type city. I think you nailed it. I'm not going to comment on the beauty of Milwaukee, but, yeah, Pittsburgh is absolutely a beautiful city. The skyline when you're in PNC Park, up in the booth, you know, it's something that you never get tired of. It's almost like going to the Grand Canyon. You kind of look and see something different every time you see, you know, a light hit a certain building at a certain time. It's just always different. It's so cool. And I feel very fortunate and blessed that, you know, God led me here in, in 2011, and they remembered me, and I came back to work here as an analyst, first with AT&T, now with the Pittsburgh Pirates and AT&T. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really cool to get to know the city, get to know the people. And I think when you said hardworking, you know, hard-nosed type people that just love serving is probably the greatest thing I could say about both cities. You know, they just kind of adopt you. If you're one of them, They'll let you know real quick, and you know, they adopted me here in Pittsburgh. Well, I tell you, the first time I went, I, I before I worked for these radio stations, it was a long time ago, but I, I worked for a sports marketing company. We did some programs with the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, and and we got invited on the team playing with the Packers for a Monday night game in Pittsburgh. And I've never been there, and and so you you know and you know you don't go through the airport right you you you, you land in the vans and the the buses show up and you get on and and you go through that tunnel and all of a sudden you're like oh my goodness i i had watched a movie tom cruise was a high school football player and it was in pittsburgh and that's what i thought pittsburgh would be like steel mills all over the place and and then you go through the tunnel from the airport and there are the rivers of the yellow bridges and i went you got to be kidding me and we were there for a couple of days, and I was able to walk around and, and go out and have a restaurant, go get something to eat, and and hang out. And I thought, man, that it is. It's just like it's just like Milwaukee. But I'm wearing my Packer hat, and they're like, "Hey, Packer boy, you guys gonna get your butt kicked Monday night?" I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." Cordell Stewart, really? Well, he had the biggest game of his life, and the uh, the, <laughs> the Steelers beat the uh, the Packers. And I'll tell you what, Michael, the the uh, trip home was not nearly as fun. As the trip going there, uh, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> hey, I've had a lot of uh, people from Pittsburgh on Faith in the Zone. A number of uh, former Pittsburgh Steelers, and and similar to what you said. Look, it's it's a it's a city full of of people with servant leadership heart that that are just trying to trying to help, trying to walk worthy. And look, there's there's some guys that you know that cause some trouble and are out in the bars a lot, but similar to Milwaukee. But, man, they just all love it, and it's pretty cool that you found a home. Can we talk a little bit about where you grew up and, and how you ended up in Pittsburgh? Yeah, and I, I want to piggyback r- real quick or just kind of rewind back to when you go through that tunnel. I thought the same thing when I got traded here. I was, I was with Boston, and I got traded to Pittsburgh. When I showed up, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, Growing up in Tennessee, I didn't really get to watch the Pirates very much. And it was really just the Cubs and Atlanta was really all we got. That was the networks that were available. So when I showed up, I was kind of mind blown. And they've just done an incredible job since that time when I showed up in 11 to now 2021 to kind of reviving the city. Some of the old landmarks have turned into, you know, whether it be churches or restaurants or whatever. It's just been a really cool thing to see these hardworking men and women, you know, still mill, you know, working in factories. They've kind of reinvented it into now it's, it's, it's a new age, new age type city. They have a lot of uh, innovation around here now. It's just a really 
neat thing to see how you can kind of twist and turn things because I thought the exact same thing when I showed up, and man, was I wrong. Hey, Michael, you know what's you know what's really funny, and, and I promise we'll get to, to you growing up in Tennessee. But my my son um, was a high school, grade school, high school, college basketball player, and he had an AAU tournament in Pittsburgh. And I I had been telling him about how much I loved the city of Pittsburgh for years, and we, it was just him and I. We met his team uh, in Pittsburgh, and we flew in. And as we're driving from the airport to downtown Pittsburgh, he said, "Man, you kind of oversold this a little bit, didn't you?" I said, just wait, just wait. And he said, no, I'm serious, Dad. This looks like a lot of places. I said, just wait, hold on, hold on. And we go through that tunnel, and boom. He goes, you got to be kidding me. And we stop over at the base. There's a high school baseball game going on at the stadium. And we stop there, and we kind of peek in, and we walk around, and there's a big statue of Willie Stargell. And it's about 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And I said, man, come on, we are family. I, I got to get a picture with Willie Stargell. And I had my, my arm around like his thigh. That's how big the, the statue is. And a guy stumbles up. And he is just, he'd been drinking, I think, all day. And he goes, hey, is that really Willie Stargell? And my son, without missing a beat, said, you're right, Dad. It's just like Milwaukee. I said, yes, yes, it is. And though I just, we had just such a good time. And he fell in love with the city as well. Hey, let's talk about growing up in Tennessee. And, and uh, were you a multi-sport athlete? Uh, my dream is to play basketball, but I'm height challenged. I'm only 5'9". And uh, I look more like a fullback than I do a uh, point guard. So I kind of figured that out pretty quick. And it wasn't really typical um, where I went to school to play multiple sports. So after my freshman year, when my uh, varsity basketball coach told me, hey, you have to decide, you know, what sport you want to play during a given season. And pretty much told me I couldn't catch bullpens in the afternoon when we practiced in the morning. So I walked away from that knowing that, you know, baseball was the opportunity I had right in front of me. And it was probably where, I was going to be able to possibly get a scholarship, and it was becoming the love of my life, uh, even though basketball was at the time because MJ and Scottie Pippen and Chicago Bulls were something that I was obsessed with as a kid. So, yeah, I wasn't wouldn't necessarily a multiple-sport athlete, but I fiddled around, played, played some soccer as a goalie, which kind of fit my mindset as a catcher. And, you know, but it was always baseball that was in the back of my mind, knowing that was my, that was my path to kind of move forward. You know, as as a basketball coach, I I I I pleaded with kids to play multiple sports because I always mm. thought, you know, if I've got a kid who plays quarterback on the football team and it's fourth and goal from the one, and they're down by four and there's you know eight seconds to go, this kid has enough guts and courage to figure out how to get the ball in the end zone. He can hit a free throw for me. I mean, that's not going to bother him. And and I just thought if I could get kids away from basketball a little bit and have them compete. And, and continue to compete. That when I get them back, um, they're going to be much better. And and I know that that even younger kids now they're saying, look, you have to decide if you if you're going to want to play baseball, then you got to play year round. And even here in Wisconsin and Milwaukee, there's so many places that guys can now go hit indoors, you know, go on travel teams and 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 go to warm climates to get some games in. And and there's a lot of athletes. A lot of really good athletes that aren't playing football or aren't playing basketball. And I just think the high school years, Michael, man, play as many sports as you can. Go do everything. Be You know what? Get on that club and, and, and be on the homecoming court and go in the choir and then come back and play basketball for me. And, and that's the way I always thought it was the best way for these kids to turn out to be really well-rounded. You know, it's so true because if I look back at my high school, I kind of laugh because we were very good my senior year. We were number two in the nation Oof. by one poll. We were third by another, I, I believe, 14th or 15th by Baseball America. They were a little uh, mean to us, I guess. And then our soccer team was second in the country in almost every single poll. So you think about that. And then I tell you about my our football team and our basketball team were both mid midway in the district. So you had all these athletes not playing multiple oh. sports. Well, three of the soccer guys ended up kicking at a Division One college. We had, you know, three guys make it to the major leagues. And it was just one of those things like, you know, I wish it was more available then. I would have played basketball all the way through. But, you know, for a coach to tell any kid to not do more work right. is one of the worst things you could ever say to a kid. Ever. That's what happened to me. I wanted to play basketball. I, I genuinely love the game. I love the strategy. I love, you know, dishing it 
uh, as I was trying to drive the ball through the middle, being five nine, knowing I'm going to hit that guy at six eight, six nine, he's going to try to block me, and someone's going to be open. It was just so much fun to me, and I was like a little bowling ball going in the middle. So I would hit somebody, and a lot of times I'd hit them really hard because I was always a little bit ahead when it came to puberty wise than most kids at that age, between you know twelve to about seventeen. You know, I was I was I was a man amongst boys, and it was an advantage to play basketball, but I didn't get to do it as long as I wanted to. So it's just one of those things that I, I think we get so obsessed with, you know, children, especially if it's your child. I've seen it so many times to be the greatest, right? To be to be the the the, the greatest amongst their peers, and to be the next Mike Mike Trout or Albert Pujols or you know Tatis Jr. And the reality of it is, is like. Let them be kids. Let them be Let them kids. learn how to compete. Yes. You know, if, if they end up having all the talent in the world and they know how to compete, then they could be Mike Trout. But if they just have all the talent in the world and they have no idea how to compete, you're not setting them up well for life. No. Let alone sports. Especially in baseball. you got to make sure to set them up for life. It's, it's, it's remarkable to me that we live in that type of society now where it's like, oh, we need to really focus on this. Okay. Well, you can focus on being a baseball player, but get in the gym. Go run track. Do things when you're not available to play like in Wisconsin where it's freezing cold, right? You can go be an athlete, learn how to compete in a lot of different ways. Go play ping pong or bowl. Anything. And one of yep. my favorite stories is Mookie Betts is a, uh, a six time perfect game bowler. Well, he's one of the best athletes on the baseball field. Every time he walks on it, he just happens to bowl too. Oh man. I, mean, I think it's great. They would love him. Hey, Mookie Betts, if he ever became a brewer, cause this is the, you know, the capital, the bowling capital of the world, I think. And, uh, boy, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. He's Michael McHenry. Again, they call him the Ford. You can follow him on Twitter. And he, and look, here's what it says. God, family, retired MLB catcher, Pittsburgh Pirates analyst, AT&T Sportsnet. But God, family, one, two. And we're going to ask him later in the show. Um, also, look at at MetaNew. It's M E T A. And you, and they promote well-being, mindfulness, and overall wellness. We're going to talk to him about that later in the show. He is Michael McKenna. We're going to ask him for his testimony when we get back. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people in sports and their walking faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern and our special guest for the entire show. He is Michael McHenry. They called him the Fort, former Major League Baseball player, mostly with the Pirates, but he played for a few teams. And uh, follow him on Twitter at the Fort McHenry, at the Fort McHenry. One word: God, family, retired Major League Baseball catcher, and uh, he also has a link to this. What we had talked about, and we'll we'll get more into this in the third segment. It's at the Meta New. It's M E T A N U, and uh, I went on there. It's really interesting. We're going to find out a little bit how Michael is involved with that. But in segment two of Faith in the Zone, and, and it has clearly become our favorite segment. Because everybody's got a story, and, and I'll tell people a lot that there are guys we have on the show, the worst thing they ever did in their life was steal a candy bar. And then you've got guys like Pastor Daryl Strawberry and myself. Man, if the Lord's willing to open up and let us join his family and accept guys like us that did some things years and years ago that we are not proud of, man, I don't know what, what anybody's waiting for. You know, just ask. And so second segment for me is the best in faith in the zone for sure. And uh, Michael McHenry, if you would share your testimony with us, I would appreciate that. I would love to, absolutely. Um, I was a kid that didn't really grow up in church. We went to church. I remember church more or less for the cool hats I got to wear as a kid and the Easter egg hunts. Um, So if that tells you kind of, you know, my reality around what church was and whatnot. And then as I grew up, I was just saying a little bit ago in that first segment that I was a kid that, you know, I hit puberty early. I, I looked like a, a man amongst boys at 12 years old. Um, they used to call me man child. And they told me I was going to be six three two, but that didn't happen. I'm still five nine, still waiting on that growth spurt. But 
that's another subject. Um, I'm not hurt by any means with that. <laughs> I need to find that doctor. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I met someone, a girl that was a little bit older than me, and she was super involved with church. For me, she was a pretty girl. She was older. You know, I was completely all about it. I felt like the coolest guy in the world. And then middle school, uh, and she's in high school, and she takes me to a youth group. And Cedar Springs was a huge church just down the road from where I grew up. Saw it all the time. The only thing I knew it by is they had a really cool basketball court that I go play pickup every now and then. Well, I went to this youth group and they started playing music. And I, I was a big music buff at the time. I didn't realize how much. And, you know, they were strumming the guitar, they were singing, and it was just a different feel. It just had a, re- like, some type of resonating in my heart that just wouldn't leave. So that became a, pretty much every week thing, you know, I'm going, going with my, my girlfriend, my real like first time true girlfriend to church. And I met friends, uh, guys that I was going to be going to high school with. And ultimately over time that kind of grew, it manifested my heart and metastasized into something bigger and bigger and bigger until, you know, I was in high school, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, going down the wrong avenues but I was always able to pull myself back because of baseball, because baseball at the time was my everything. It was my, it was my God. It was everything to me, live and die for the game. But one day we're, we're out in Sevier County, which is out in the middle of nowhere in the Smoky Mountains, and we're watching the JV game. I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm 16 years old. I'm not dating that girl anymore. And I just kind of walked off because I just felt hot. I felt you know, like something was going to come over me, almost like I was maybe even going to get sick. I walked off, and as soon as I walked off, went into the woods a little bit, I felt that same feeling I had the first time I went to that youth group, wow. you know, that, that resonating in my heart, like something was just like, you know, grabbing my heart and just pounding it, you know, just absolutely hitting my heart like crazy. And I said, what, what is this? And I remember one of the, one of the uh, messages at that youth group about accepting Christ. So I, right then and there, you know, put my head down, I accepted Christ into my life and haven't looked back since and Amen. make it cliche. I ended up hitting a home run. My first of that, you know, I felt like God was saying, Hey, welcome to the team. You know, give you a gift right here. I got a fastball right over the plate. So it was a really cool moment for me. Um, really, really a neat thing looking back on it now, because, you know, that's all God wants is a relationship. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. doesn't matter what you've done. You know, that's why he surrounded himself with, you know, broken people and sinful people and, they, they just wanted to touch his robe. They just wanted to grab him to get a little piece of, you know, who he was and have a relationship with him. So that was, looking back, probably the coolest way I could have ever come to know a relationship with him by my own accord and just saying, hey, like, it's time. I know you've been calling me for a long time. I know that I've been running down the wrong road. Hey, I'm jumping on your, your highway, and I don't want to get off. And I haven't gotten off since. Obviously, there's a lot of rocky roads. We can get into that if you want, but it's been a very special journey, and I've kind of learned as I've gone. And Michael, as as a 16-year-old, when, when you make that decision by yourself in, in the space, and, and, and I believe God meets you where you're at. When you ask, he'll meet you where you're at. I'm, I'm wondering, how did that change who you were, or did, were you open with your friends about what was happening in your life, especially the friends that were, were taking you down the wrong path? You know, I have a very extreme, strong-willed personality. I actually flipped my friends in half. So I was friends with a lot of different people. I was always that kid that, you know, didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Probably a people pleaser is the best way to describe myself for a long time. So, like, you know, I was friends with everybody because I was always trying to please people. It was something that made me feel good, I think, inside. And I stopped hanging out with the people that were drinking and doing drugs and you know, my best friend that was just going down the absolute wrong path and every day on the way to school, he would stop and smoke and it would try to get me to do other drugs and stuff. This was every single day. Well, he ended up transferring and it was just like all these things started moving around. And then I got in line with some, some of the friends I had, but I got really close to them. Then the Bible study started and then a mentor came and then a older guy that I got to know really poured into me in that moment. So there's just a lot of things happening all at once. And I was a kid that was going to go in like a cannonball. You know, if you think about how you go into a swimming pool, some people, you know, feel the water. Some people take a step in and walk into the shallow end. 
I was always the kid that just ran and jumped in the deep end. That's exactly what I did. Hey, are, are you, um, do you have brothers and sisters? So I have two brothers. Okay. Uh, I have a brother from my dad's previous marriage, and then I just found out I had a brother at 26 from my mom who was forced to give him up. So um, I got a new brother about 26. Hey, that's kind of cool, I think, to be. Yeah, hopefully, there's a relationship you have. I'm, I'm wondering. No, um, no, no. He, yeah, we're really, we're really good friends. That, I mean, he's, he's an awesome guy. That's awesome. Two nephews and a niece from from that side, so it's really cool. Did 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 your parents have any faith based um, in, in their life? And and if not, when when you brought this home, what was the reaction there? Um, they they knew about faith, but they didn't understand. Jesus. They understood the church, but they didn't understand Christ. And that's all that matters. You know, right. And once they kind of grabbed a hold of that, I mean, they both kind of grew up in very difficult situations, especially my mom. She grew up just as, as awful as you could think, foster home, foster home, abuse, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. I mean, just goes on and on and on. Obviously, she was forced to give up her first child, and I didn't find that out until I was 26. Wow. And my dad didn't have a dad. He was never around, um, always doing the wrong thing. And he had to end up raising his little brother, who's my uncle and John. So, like, they didn't really have the opportunity and the people to pour into them. And crazy enough, you know, my mom's life has flipped upside down. My dad's life has flipped upside down. Amen. Uh, My dad is a completely different human being. They both have Christ in their life. So, you know, looking back, you know, they told me, like, you're a big part of it. You planted the seed that you've always said. Um, someone planted in you, and I was like, "Man, that's that's kind of a uh, humbling to think about." But yeah, I think I think they just saw a lot of lot of goodness and a lot of joy, and they wanted to know more, and they just kept asking questions and and watching what was happening right in front of their eyes. Michael, I got goosebumps on my arms like you you cannot believe. We had um, <laughs> we had the guy who was the bullpen catcher for a long time with Milwaukee Brewers. His name is Marcus Hanel. And Marcus, uh, we had in studio, he's a Milwaukee guy, Racine, which is just out of Milwaukee. And we had him in studio the first time we had him on. And he he was a first-generation Christian. And he was he is still, he's on fire for the Lord. And when you're a first-generation Christian like, like, like you are, to be able to say, look, I'm a cannonball guy. I jump right in the pool. I jump right in, and I'm, and I'm boom, I'm in there. And that's kind of how Marcus... Was too, and he said, like when I found out and I learned and I accepted, I was like, like how come nobody told this to me? Like I should have known this, but I envy you, Michael. Sixteen years old, I was a lot older, and I'm a hundred percent Irish and really stubborn. And I thought, no, it's my way. I know how to do this. I grew up in a Catholic. Um, grade school and high school, and back then, it's a long time ago. Michael, they handed me the Bible and said, "Hey, carry it." When when we tell you to carry it, we'll tell you what's in it. You don't need to look in it. We'll tell you what's in it, so you carry it. So I knew Jesus Christ the we the same way I knew Abraham Lincoln, right? I knew all the stories, but I had no relationship with him, and I won't get into how that all happened. But 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 thank God for godly women. I can tell you that. Thank God for my wife because she prayed for me for a long time, and and uh, man, my life has never been the, the same since I got to my knees and said, Lord, I'm I'm yours. You know what? I can't do this on my own anymore. I'm screwing this thing up every turn. And uh, I just, uh, man, what a great story. 16 years old. I just think that that is wonderful. Hey, the, the girl that took you to that to that uh, youth group, have you ever seen her, uh, talk to her? Does she know what's happened in your life? Uh, yes. Yeah, I haven't talked to her in, I don't know, 20 plus years. But yeah, she knows. She knows that that there was a big door that swung open during that time and the people that I hung out with afterwards. And she went through a very rough patch right after we actually broke up her family, you know, broke up, had a divorce and they moved to Louisiana. So there was a lot of things that went on there, but you know, I was lucky enough to, you know, put myself in the right situation sure. with the right people to help me grow in my faith. I, I went to just about every church imaginable. Um, and what I mean, when I say that, I actually mean, I went to, I went, with some of my friends that were Mormon. I went to a Catholic church. I went to Church of God, yep. Church of Christ. I went everywhere possible because I wanted to understand more. I wanted to understand why 
because, like, why was there so many churches? Why are there so many dom- denominations and all these different things? It all leads back to there's only one denomination. It's Christ. Unbel- you know, you said you carried Amen. a book around, and they, they told you the stories and stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're supposed to have a relationship individually with Christ. And Amen. It's good. It's good. A lot of the times it's bad sometimes, but that's a relationship. Your relationship with your father can be pushback, right? Sometimes yep. you don't want to listen to your dad. That's exactly what it is. And I think in our society today, we're, we're not talking about that. I'm, I'm coming from an experience where I'm mad at God. I've been mad at God for years because bad things have continually happened in my life, my wife's life, my family's life. And it's just like, what is going on? How do we get this to slow down and stop? And then finally, you know, it started to hit me in the back of the head again, like, hey, did you ever think that you're going through this because you are a man of God and because you have big things ahead of you and that you can handle this and it's a platform to, to share? And I was like, man, this is cool. Like, why that perspective started changing, the heart started pounding again, <laughs> and you hit me in a really good spot because I'm going in the right direction. Hey, I'll tell you what, really quickly before we get to a break, I, I was asked, um, this is a while ago after Faith and Zone started to go speak at, I get a chance to speak at some men's groups at different churches because of this show. And the first one I went to, it was a church, I didn't know the pastor, he listened to the show, he invited me to come speak, 270 men at a men's stakeout, and I had to share my testimony, and it's not pretty, Michael, it's bad. And um, when I got done, I was so embarrassed. And I looked at the pastor who I just met an hour prior, and I said, hey, lose my number. Lose it. I, I will never do that again. He said, really? I said, no, I'm so embarrassed. He goes, well, there's your issue. I said, excuse me? He goes, you think this is about you? I go, what? He goes, this isn't about you? He goes, there's 270 men out there, 50 of them, are struggling right now with the things that you were struggling with back then. I'm the guy who, the worst thing I ever did is steal a candy bar. They won't come to me and talk to me about that part of their life, but they'll come talk to you, won't they? Because you've been through it. And I said, man, honestly, don't ever call me again. He said, no, I'm calling you. And I'm going to have all my buddy pastors call you too, because you you have to be willing to talk about this journey that you've been on, because you know what? You envy me. I envy you. I go, what? He said, I've never been through any of that. I have no idea. I can't talk to guys that are struggling with drinking and drugging. You can. And I'm like, oh, boy, oh, boy. So that, you know, he set me straight really quick thinking that I was embarrassed because, you know, this was all about me. And he said, it's not all about you. He is Michael McHenry. And I cannot wait. We're going to talk a little bit about how he met his wife. And we're going to talk about this company that he's a big part of. And I want to know more about it because the website's really cool. Um, M-E-T-A-N-U, Metanew. And you can uh, go on Twitter, the Meta New, one word, again, T, uh, the M E T A N U. It's a promote uh, well being, mindfulness, and overall wellness. And you can follow Michael on, on Twitter as well. He has some great stuff. God Family, retired Major League Baseball catcher, one word, at the Fort McHenry, M C K E N R Y. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brain Balance of Mequon. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone. On 1250 AM, the fan, our special guest, man, and I'm a huge fan of his. I was a fan after my brother talked to me about him, and I went and did a bunch of research on him and, and just reading great stuff about you know him defensively as a, as a baseball player and as a man. But, man, I, I, I really like him now. He's Michael McHenry. They called him the Fort. You can follow him on Twitter at, it's one word, the Fort McHenry. It's M-C-K-E-N-R-Y. God family, retired Major League Baseball catcher. Hey, um, I don't want this show to end without me asking you about MetaNew and this company. And look, when, when I asked you to come on, I said, can I just mention it? You said, yeah, we're, we're starting to do really great things with this company. And you said, you don't have to mention it if you don't want to. But that, I found it really interesting. I didn't spend a ton, a ton of time 
on on the website, but I, I looked at it through Twitter and started t- kind of taking a look at some of the things you guys are trying to accomplish. Can you give us a, a short statement about what MetaNew is? Yeah, the way it started is actually the coolest part about MetaNew is um, I met a kid. He reached out to me on Twitter, kind of a you know throwing a pebble out in the sea to see if you know I would want to invest in his company. I sat down with him. I ended up really enjoying the conversation. He was a kid that was looking for a mentor. He didn't really want an investment. He wanted a mentor. So I became his mentor. About six weeks later, he was at my house, you know, sleeping upstairs, and we're grinding through to figure out what his dreams are, what he wants to do in his life, and, you know, how he's going to end up getting there. And this journey's brought us to MetaNew. It came from his thought of somebody he wished he had at the moment. So he created an algorithm through emotions, the seven basic emotions of elements. And you take this foundation, it gives you data, and it gives you tools and reflection to enhance your well-being. We think about it as psychology is the past. So the things that you've been through, the traumas, the generational things, the genetical things that maybe you even can't control. The present is the wellness, you know, everyday being, what's going on, how can we enhance that? And then the performance side is where are you trying to go? What are the goals? What, what are we trying to accomplish in your life? And honestly, the lead of all of this is really just me wanting to love another human being, serve another human being, and make sure that that ripple effect goes out into society. And Meta News got a chance to do that. And it always, always, always is going to lead back to Christ at some point. And I think about it like this, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7. It's something I read a lot of times when I'm thinking about the company and where it can go. And we just signed on and got a grant to work with the school, 751 kids. And the first school we did our pilot program with, six kids, six kids got an alert that they were on a suicide oh my. trend. So it's just one of those things, like we, we live in a society right now that, you know, you have to meet people where they're at. You know, you want to give them as much Jesus as possible. But Louis Giglio said one time, and I love this statement, is, you know, sometimes you have to be normal before you get weird. And sometimes... You know, us as Christians, we can get real weird first, and we're never really normal. So, you know, these kids have been through things that I can't imagine. You know, 2020 was an absolute disaster. They've been wearing masks for a year and a half in school. There's just a lot of things that have happened that, you know, you have to just say, hey, we love you. We care for you. What can I do to help you? And that's all we're trying to do. We just want to be the person that, you know, Vinny was looking for at the time when he was at his lowest of lows. We want to try to be that person for everybody else. Hey, I, guys, I, I, I'm just going to tell you this. You know, go on Twitter um, and, and and go to the Meta New, and, and I'm on there right now. And look, it, it, the first thing that pops up is your thoughts matter. When you have something to say, silence is a lie, said Jordan Peterson. That's These are the kind of things, and it's really interesting to me because, the, like you had talked about, Michael, this last year has been really really difficult on on kids and adults and and I have a daughter that's a teacher a son-in-law that's a teacher and a daughter-in-law that's a teacher and all different schools in this area and they said you know look this is so difficult on these kids and everybody's fighting and all the adults up here are trying to fight and figure well, they should come back no they shouldn't yeah they should no we got to do this we can't play football yeah we can't play football and nobody's nobody's looking down at the kids they're, they're, Amen. Well said. Wow. Yes. Well said. And it, it's it, it scares me because these these kids should be out on the playground. They should see their buddies and, and and the girl that they liked in eighth grade and chasing her around the playground and whatever that that looks like. And and look, you, you, sports was so big in your life and it has been in mine as well. I I looked forward to getting to the gym, to get into the field, to seeing these guys, to competing, to get into the wrestling mat, you know, as as an athlete and then as a coach. And I, I just think that this is something that if if you go to this uh, uh, this Twitter page and there's a lot of ways then that you can kind of get involved and read and and look at some of this, but it's the meta. New. It's one word, M-E-T-A-N-U. And if you're driving, call me at the radio station. I'll get you to this thing and follow it because it's it is it's really interesting to be Michael. The kind of things and this was a young this is a young guy that put this together. Yeah. So he he really didn't even know what he what he had. He he loves sports and he went through some things in his life that he wished he had someone that just asked how how are you doing. 
So ultimately what, what, what happened was over the two and a half, three years we've been doing, you know, work together and we've been kind of moving forward. Everything about business he knew, I kind of flipped the table because I said, I'm not looking to make money off of you. I'm not looking to do anything but care. I want to care for you so hard that you want to care for that next person so much that you can't stand it. And I said, this world is honestly ran by two things, cash and care. But ultimately, the only thing that matters is Christ. If we just kept our focus there, both things will come around tenfold because we'll be using the platform that we have for the greater good and for him. And he's going to glorify that. He's going to love that. You may get have all the atomic bombs from the left to the right to stop you, but that's when you know you're right there, right where you're supposed to be because you're in the midst of the battle. And I feel like every single day is that battle that you're supposed to face against the enemy but what better armor, what better person to have on your side than Jesus? And that's ultimately the whole idea around what I did when I, what I thought when I met him. I was like, this is the kid that, you know, I want to try to help as much as possible. And I pray that that seed gets planted and manifests into something really big and he can bear fruit and give it to the people that he meets. And we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm really excited about it because it is a way to touch a lot of kids. And something I didn't tell you about my uh, journey in life is I grew up with two learning disabilities. I was in a, uh, either a psychologist or a psychiatrist's office quite a bit as a kid. I went to anger management, and I had to overcome a lot of things. And the crazy thing, which you were just talking about, something like that followed me my entire life. It didn't matter how good I did in school. It always came back to, hey, you had two learning disabilities. You have to pass this test to go here. Then I would pass the test. This happened twice in college. Pass the test. Studied like crazy. They said, no, we don't believe you. You have to stay in the class. We think you cheated. Oh. So at the end of the day, like those kids never got a choice. They never got asked, what do you think we should do? Do you feel okay playing football? Do you feel safe going back to school? It was never that. It was, it was them just sitting there waiting to be told what to do with no relationship with anybody because they're isolated. And that's exact opposite of what Jesus tells us to do. Have a relationship. Go and disciple the people. Amen. Amen to that. And and look, hey guys, and, and I'm paying attention, but I can multitask. In in the last, I don't know, 60 seconds, I am now I, I'm I've on the metanew.com. I've got my own account. I am set ready to go. And I'm gonna learn more about this because this is really very interesting to me, and thank you, Michael, for allowing me to share that. Before we get to a break, look, I I don't think anybody, I celebrated uh, last week my 38th wedding anniversary, and I believe yeah. that yeah. I'll kick my coverage by a mile, but Michael, look, I've, I've seen <laughs> pictures of you and your wife, and, and brother, you're on my team. Uh, no question no <laughs> about that. <laughs> you're on my team. Hey, Jacqueline, how did you guys meet? Uh, we met in college and we kind of knew each other because she grew up just a town over from where I grew up. And, you know, everybody that we knew, I guess, that knew both of us. So like the, the, the commonality of friends always said, you two need to meet, you two need to meet. I mean, I'm talking all the way back to when I was a junior in high school, trying to set us up on dates and just get us to hang out. And then my freshman year, it happened a couple of different times. And finally we both came to our senses sophomore year. We hung out. We've never left each other's sides. I mean, she went through the entire minor leagues with, uh, with me. We've been through some of the hardest things you could ever imagine when her dad passed away and, and, and other things. Now we're going through infertility. We're on year seven. Uh, we've been lied to with that. We've been cheated. We've been, you know, frauded out oh. at times. And it's just a life that I would not want to do with anybody else and all the hardship and all the good as well. I always, always forget to mention there's been so much good too, but yeah, it's been a journey that I wouldn't want to do with anybody else. And I 100% outkicked my coverage. I mean, she, she kicked the ball out of the stadium, and somehow <laughs> I got to grab it. Hey, man, I'm just, look, I'm, I am the president of that company. But, brother, you, you, can, <laughs> uh, you can be part of it as well. He is Michael McHenry, and this is so fun. I've got, we've got one short segment, and I'm going to ask him a couple of quick questions. I, I know that from talking to other Major League Baseball players and former players that, that that journey through the minor leagues is a difficult one to continue to walk worthy, and we'll ask him about that, and then we'll ask him the question I love asking. At the end of the day, you put all the uniforms that you've ever worn 
any sport, any team, in a closet, pick one out. You get one game, one game to play. What team do you play for and who do you play against and why? And we'll find out. He is Michael McHenry. Again, you can follow him on Twitter, at the Fort McHenry. It's M-C-K-E-N-R-Y. This is Faith in the Zone. On 1250 AM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone. I'm Mike McGivern, our special guest. And, and man, I am so happy that that he was willing to come on this show. I'm just such a big fan. Michael McHenry, uh, they called him The Fort. You can follow him on Twitter, at The Fort McHenry. Hey, Michael, a lot of uh, former Major League Baseball players we had on, we, we talk a little bit about minor leagues and, and all the temptation that comes along with, with that. How difficult was it to you walk, for you to walk worthy during that time of your life? You know, I was very blessed to have an incredible woman by, by my side. And, you know, I wanted to honor her. I wanted to cherish her. We got married in 2008. I got drafted in 2006. So there was a very short window of time where I was even available. I didn't have a ring on my finger, and you know I was always loyal to her, and she was always loyal to me. We loved each other, and we trusted each other. So like I hung out with the guys. I went to the bars with them. I I went out with them, and you know I wanted to show them that I was just another dude that they could hang out with. And I have you know some of the coolest friends from the coolest places because I never judged them. I just loved them, and I always thought that you know no matter where they go there's a great opportunity to, you know, just care for him. And maybe that opens up a door. And a lot of times it did. And hopefully they got a little bit of a spark and Jesus maybe closed the door years later. And that's all you can try to do. So I didn't have as many you know, issues with that as, as a lot of guys did. I tried to be, you know, the balance between, I never judged anybody. I just loved him. Man. Amen to that. Hey, last question. So for every uniform you ever put on from when you were a little kid, until your your years in Major League Baseball ended, you can take all those uniforms, put them in the closet, and say to me, here's the uniform I want. What uniform do you put on, and who do you play against? 2009, I got a foul ball off my ear. Took part of the top of my ear off. I had to get it sewn together. Two days prior to that, I got invited to play for the USA Baseball team in the Baseball World Cup. Oh. And I missed it. They wouldn't let me go. Um, I ended up having a seizure because they hit a nerve in my head, and I got diagnosed with epilepsy while they were putting in the stitches to put my ear back on. So I didn't get to go. They went to Europe. They won a gold medal. Um, I was number nine. The jersey's still hanging in my closet. Oh. If I could put one on, I'd put it on in a heartbeat, and I'd start running. Amen. Amen to that. You know, I read that, and uh, they replaced you by a guy named Lucas May, who I, I don't know and not, yep. have not heard of. Um, but when I read that, I thought, man, that had to just be heartbreaking um, for him. And I didn't know the, the story behind the injury, but I certainly do know that now. So, hey, we will uh, we will put you in our prayers um, that, you know, you guys, that, that the Lord blesses you guys with as many children as you guys want. And I, I hope that that goes, you know, you, you look, you would be an incredible father. Um, and, and, and I think that whoever, yeah, however that happens, and I've got a lot of friends that have struggled with that and then boom, the the Lord has touched it and and made it happen. And, and I hope that that happens for you guys for sure. I can't thank you enough for the time that you've given us, Michael. And, and, you know, if you ever get into the Milwaukee area and there's anything that I can do for you, if you get the chance to travel, um, with the pirates, if uh, whatever it is. Um, I would be more than happy to to help you out any way that I can. I'm a huge fan of yours. And, and again, guys, follow him on Twitter, the Fort McHenry, M-C, capital K-E-N-R-Y, and check out that at the Meta New. If you follow him on Twitter, that information is right there. That's the easiest way to do this. And you can follow him. And, and again, God family, retired Major League Baseball catcher, just a great combination. Michael, thank you much, uh, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a good week. Hey, thank you so much. You're, you're doing some wonderful things. I've enjoyed the conversation on air 
and off air, this guy's on fire. You know, spread the news around Milwaukee. And if you ever come to Pittsburgh or Nashville, you call me and I'll make sure that, you know, we get to see the sights. We have a good time. Maybe we'll even watch a baseball game or two together because that'll be a blast. Man, I would love that. Thank you so much. I'm going to take you up on on that. Maybe one time when uh, when the Brewers are, are, are coming to Pittsburgh, I'll – my wife and I will fly out for a game. I look forward to meeting you in person again. He is Michael McHenry. They call him the Fort. Next time I have him on, I've got about 17 pages of questions I didn't get to. So a year from now, six months from now, <laughs> going to find out. I know why they call him the Fort, but uh, we'll get into that next time he is he is on. Michael, thanks a lot, and have a great day. Yeah, thank you. God bless. Appreciate you, it. You bet. Thanks for listening to this Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip on a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone right here on 1250 a.m., the fan. Was it really amazing grace? Now I know for certain, Lord, it was you that rescued me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.